Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceilings does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hello, hello. What is up, everybody? What's going on? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, your one and only host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction. And I am broadcasting once again south of the border, deep behind enemy lines, from the cloudy, rainy Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. We have a little bit of a storm coming through right now, and uh, it is Thursday evening. I know I missed Monday's episode. I have a couple explanations for that, and then... The reason I didn't do a follow-up episode, uh, it's kind of a long story. I'm going to get into it a little bit, but uh, thank you all so very much for bearing with me during these tough times and uh, tuning into today's show. I got a lot of stuff I want to talk about because it's been a week since the last uh, podcast and we've had some pretty major executive orders passed by Donald Trump and then we got the big news from Joe Biden about who his running mate is going to be uh, for vice president, and of course, is the Kamala Harris. And I have a lot of thoughts on that as well. So that's what we're going to get into today. But yeah, the reason uh, Monday, I mean, this, I know it seems like I'm on a vacation here because I'm down in Mexico and I've been here for a little over, I think a month. Uh, just about a month. A month and uh, like two days from now will be a month. Um, but I'm actually working the entire time. So I- I've really been burning the candle at both ends here. And Monday was just, uh, a, you know, I- I- like a 10-hour day for me. And then when I got done with work, we've been having all these uh, issues at the condo here that-, that I've been trying to get taken care of. And trying to get uh, Mexicans down here to do work is surprisingly difficult. Like, it takes the average, (laughs) I think this is a quote from uh, uh, my uncle, it takes the average Mexican five days to do what an American can do in five hours (laughs) or something like that. But it is really like pulling teeth. And we have some water damage. The unit above us started had a a flood of some sort a leak or something and so there's water damage above our uh, sink in the kitchen in the bathroom in the hallway and then in the bathroom in the master and i've been trying to deal with these people to get them to fix it and they have to go through insurance and then we're trying to get them to fix it and build the other unit so that we can get the work done while they're waiting for the insurance to kick in. And these guys keep coming back. 
They've they've literally been to the place at least five times to document the water damage. I was here last November, and we still had this water damage. So we're coming up on a year now. And they came over at that time. And that was when it was fairly new. I think that's like right after the damage happened. And they came up and they took pictures and, you know, they're going to start the insurance process, blah, 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 blah. And then I came back in July and it's still nothing has happened. There's been no movement on this whatsoever. And I, I know they came here at least two or three times between December and March when uh, when my uncle was here. And then they, so right when I got here, I was like, I need you guys to deal with this water damage. We got to get it fixed, make sure it's covered by insurance or whatever. And so, so they came up, they took more pictures. And then like I hear nothing for 10 days and I keep asking and the guy's going to come by. He makes an appointment. Uh, yeah, I'll be there, you know, right after I finish up over here, I'll come by. He never shows up. And you have to chase these guys down. It's like uh, chasing a fucking chicken around, like in a, in a Rocky movie or something, just to nail them down to get them to do the work. And then, like uh, two weeks later, he says, "Okay, the insurance guy's gonna come by and take pictures." He took pictures the first time. <laughs> they finally started doing the work on the unit above us. So I guess that that took priority, which was fixing the problem because it did start leaking into uh, the the bathroom here in the hallway uh, maybe two weeks ago. I caught it leaking and that's when I got them up here. And so they finally figured out, I guess, what was causing the leak above us. And this week, of all, all weeks, they decided to start working on that. Um, right after I got done putting in putting in a day's work on Monday and they've been working on it pretty much um, throughout the late afternoon early evening and they've been making a ton of noise they got like a buzz saw going there's hammers I have no idea what the hell's going on up there but it, it just wasn't going to make uh, it just wasn't going to be possible to do an episode with that going on it was way too much noise and I was just exhausted. I was burnt. I have been uh, I've been really going full tilt um, because I am trying to have some fun out here because things are open. So, you know, you work from seven to four thirty or something, take a little dip in the pool, watch the sunset, maybe go out for uh, dinner and, and a few cocktails, probably a few too many. And you wake up at about six a.m. the next day and do it all over again. And so I was pretty burnt out Monday. I don't even know if I would have been able to to, to bring a good episode to you guys, even if they hadn't started the work, but they, I thought they were going to be done with it that day and they weren't, of course, and they were doing it yesterday and they were actually still doing it today. And, and after I couldn't do it yesterday, I just figured, you know what, I'll just, we'll skip that episode. We'll do Thursday. Um, they, they just finished up about an hour ago and there's some really toxic fumey smells coming into this place so if uh if i get cancer or something or uh pass out during this episode that is the reason why or if i sound a little more uh crazy than normal i might be getting high sitting in this room <laughs> but um so yeah i do the episode today next week i am actually supposed to be i'm taking an official vacation i'm, I'm taking off of work 
Um, and I'm just going to, to take a week off. Now, I don't know if I'm going to start that on Monday or on Tuesday. I don't know yet. I think I'm going to have an answer by tomorrow on whether or not I will be working on Monday or not. If I am working on Monday, I will do a Monday episode. And then that will probably be it for the week. I don't think I'll do another one um, until the following Monday or Tuesday when I get back. I think I'm flying back on the 24th. Uh, that's the way things are looking right now. So, yeah, you might not hear from me for another week. If you do, it, I think, I, you know, if I do do something, if there's something that I, I really feel like I... Uh, I want to talk about or whatever something really big happens it'll just be like a short episode you know like maybe 15 20 minutes or something like that just to give uh you guys my thoughts on whatever's happening if i uh if i have time or something but um yeah so that's what's been going on with me i uh I, i'm off starting tomorrow and i'm supposed to be off all next week and tomorrow morning i am going spearfishing for the first time so I'm pretty stoked about that. I've never done that before, and it looks pretty cool. And uh, we ended up meeting some people whose uh, their son runs a, a spearfishing thing out here. So I'm uh, going to give that a try. And um, all right, yeah, that's, uh, that's it for me. Let's get into the episode, shall we? Because these executive orders are, <laughs> they, they've reached a peak absurdity as far as I'm concerned, like this is just absolutely ridiculous. And they, you know, the president has been abusing his power for decades. Um, and Congress, you know, Congress loves to sort of relinquish all of their responsibilities onto the president so that they can kind of sit on the fence and see how the policy turns out. And if it turns out to be a good thing, then they can be like, oh, yeah, look, like we let we supported the president in this or whatever. And if it turns out to, to blow up in their face, then they can be like, well, you know, the president did this executive order. We were never for that. So it kind of gives them an out. You know, they get to play both sides and, and wait to see what happens. They, they don't have to take responsibility for anything. But Barack Obama was pretty famous for his uh, executive orders. You know, he had that quote, I have uh, the, the phone and the pen because he was having trouble getting stuff done. The Republicans were, were always um, blocking all of the, the things that he wanted to do. So he just started doing these executive orders. And now you have a Republican president, a Republican Senate, and Donald Trump with probably some of the, if not the most, outrageous um, overreach from the executive branch. I couldn't believe that there were, I mean, I can believe it. I, of course I could believe it, that there was very little, I, I only saw maybe a handful of Republicans give him shit over this, even though they were all up in arms under o Obama's uh, executive orders. But Donald Trump is literally legislating from uh, by executive order. He is handing out money to people. He is uh, canceling taxes. He's can't. He, he's he's doing everything that everything that Congress should be doing. He's just doing by executive order. He's bypassing the whole system. This whole process, right? This entire thing 
this whole process of government, you know, that they sort of propagandize uh, us our entire lives. You know, they start, you had the eighth grade civics class or whatever, where you have to take uh, the constitution class and learn how a bill becomes a law. And, you know, Congress uh, controls the purse spring, uh, purse strings. And really the, the president isn't supposed to be in charge of anything except for commander in chief of the armed forces. Right. So he gets, if we, if Congress declares war, the president gets to, you know, be commander in chief of that and executive orders were only meant to be limited to the powers that were delegated to the executive branch of government. It, it's not just like, oh, you can do whatever the hell you want. You're, you're not a king, okay? This isn't a dictatorship. And, you know, uh, even if you like what he's doing, you, you know, he, he's giving tax cuts to people. He's uh, suspending the payroll tax for employees. So, you know, the payroll tax, for those of you guys who uh, know ABLA, is the portion of your paycheck that they take from you before it even hits your bank account. And it supposedly goes towards Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. And if you make enough money, I believe there's a, an Obamacare tax in there and it's like 3.5% or something like that, 3.9% maybe. Um, you have to be in the, uh, the upper income brackets, I think, to be hit with that. So the uh, in theory, or not in theory, what they tell you is that you pay half of that, you pay half of the Social Security tax and, and the Medicare and the Medicaid, and your employer pays the other half. But really, the employer doesn't care. The employer builds that cost into the, the cost of hiring you. So for them, you know, if, if it were up to them, they'd just assume give you the money, then give it to the, the federal government. So that, that's built into the cost of hiring you. And that, you know, they take that out of your salary. And then instead of you getting it, the government gets it. So really, you're paying the full freight here. They just try to make it look like you're not. But anyway, his uh, executive order is suspending that till the end of the year. Okay. Which, I mean, it's going to be nice for people to have uh, less of their paychecks stolen from them. Listen, I get that. I get that. But the, the problem is Social Security is already a bankrupt Ponzi scheme that we're forced into. And th this is only going to make matters worse. And, and none of this money actually goes towards uh, Social Security. It just goes into the general revenue fund and it gets spent immediately and the government issues bonds to uh, account for the money that was supposed to go towards Social Security, and they put those bonds into the Social Security Trust Fund. So anytime you hear a politician talk about Social Security is solvent until 2035 or something, that's all a bunch of bullshit. That, that lockbox is empty. It is the, it's like the suitcase from Dumb and Dumber when they're in the hotel room. And they said, yeah, yeah, we brought the, we brought your suitcase. And he's like, oh, you got the suitcase. Oh, oh, he opens it up and it's just full of a bunch of IOUs. That's what's in the uh, Social Security lock, trust fund lockbox that everybody talks about. It's just a bunch of government IOUs and the government owes itself. So really, they're just going to print up all this money to pay off all of these Social Security benefits, just like they do for all of their other obligations. And that's why it's a Ponzi scheme. Because the money they're taking from us, they ha it's dependent on you know a, a larger and larger, younger working base 
to pay into this system so that the, the, the people that are getting out of the, the Ponzi scheme, the ones that are collecting, can get their money out, right? And the money that they're, they're taking from us that they're supposedly investing, it's not being invested in an appreciating asset. It's being spent right away. It's like Bernie Madoff on fucking steroids. And even Bernie Madoff said, you know, when they asked Bernie Madoff how it felt like to be running the the world's biggest Ponzi scheme, he said, you know, no, no, I, I didn't have the world's biggest Ponzi scheme. The United States is running it. And this is what he's talking about. And anytime the, you know, one of these uh, bills comes due, they just uh, write up an IOU, print up some money and give it away. It's uh, the like literally the definition of a Ponzi scheme, except that it's far more dishonest in that we're not allowed to get out of it, even if you realize you're in it. Like if I realized uh, Bernie Madoff had a Ponzi scheme before the whole thing collapsed, I could have pulled some of my money out. Uh, but this we're just we're just stuck with it. And uh, this is only going to exacerbate those problems. But anyway, I just sort of went on a tangent there. This, these executive orders I mean, there is no authority in the Constitution for the president to do this sort of thing. He can't, um, you, you can't just <laughs> declare that you're going to cancel a tax or increase a tax or give people money. That's the other thing that he's going to give the uh, unemployment stimulus, the, the federal addition. It's not going to be the full 600. It's going to be the full, it's going to be 400. And uh, I, I forget how long that goes, but that's going to have an expiration date on it, too. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's after the election. So he's basically using these executive orders to bribe the American people into voting for him. Like, yeah, this, uh, this is going to expire at the end of the year. But if you vote for me, maybe I'll make it permanent or maybe I'll make it so you don't have to pay it back. And I think I, I think with the Social Security benefits, it's just like a like almost like a forbearance like you're still gonna owe everything that you owe to social security you're just you just don't have to pay it right now you're gonna have to pay it all back in the future as if anybody's gonna have any uh money to do that in the future because the whole idea of this is to uh th this failed keynesian idea of priming the economic pump by spending right so they want uh you know to take less money out of people's paychecks so they have more money to spend and the idea is that they're going to spend it and that's going to uh, produce more economic activity and boost gdp and make trump's economy look like it isn't the, the disaster that it is but i mean this is just how screwed we are right now with what we get from the, the, the two-party system, right? The Republicans and the Democrats, right? Like there's, it, it doesn't seem like there is any way to stop this runaway government. There, there's no, there's nobody there to pump the brakes. I mean, this is what you get from these supposedly fiscal uh, responsible Republicans, right? And we, you know, they're still uh, debating this new stimulus package. They haven't settled this. This is why Trump is doing these executive orders, right? Because the Republicans, and if you remember, I told you this uh, uh, probably a month or two ago, that they were going to try to stick to a trillion. I, I was thinking that they might want to try to keep it just under a trillion for the, you know, the 999 optics, but they're at like 1.1 trillion and the Democrats are at 3.5 trillion. 
and and they're still negotiating. They're trying to get something done by September. I think the last thing I saw was that the Democrats are willing to knock off a trillion from their 3.5 if the Republicans add a trillion to their. It just there, there's nothing stopping these people. There's nobody there to stop them, and there's no difference between Republicans and Democrats. There, I just don't understand why more people can't see this. I mean, Trump is doing the executive, the, the same type of executive order overreach from the executive branch that Obama set president for. When Obama did it, Obama went gangbusters with it, and the Republicans were up in arms. Oh, this is unconstitutional. You can't do this. You're, you're not a king. And now, now that Trump's doing it, they're cheering him on. Now that he's getting applauses. He's getting a, a, a rousing applause while he uh, signs all these things at these stupid ceremonies. And, and, you know, the Democrats, their only complaint is that he doesn't go far enough. It's that he's not doing enough for everybody, right? They want the $600 a week, and Trump only gave them 400 and he didn't, you know, cancel rent permanently. He only uh, put a moratorium on it. It's like, oh, okay, there's your difference. That's your difference between the, the two-party system that fight tooth and nail. They've got us all fighting with each other, and that's the difference. That's what all the lemmings out there looking for government to fix their fucked-up lives are fighting each other over $600 a week and $400 a week. And I mean, he might as well have just done the 600. I mean, who cares at this point? 600, 400. Yeah. At some, at every level, you're, you're going to discourage somebody from working. Now at 600, you discourage more people, but you're still going to do it at 400 and probably close to just as many. Because even if these workers, and I, you know, I've talked about this before, even if these workers don't make as much or don't make more than uh, not working, even if it's close to what they make working, they're still going to take that deal. Going to work sucks. Believe me, I've been doing it all week. I want to kill myself. <laughs> I'd much rather get paid close to the same amount. I would take a, a slight pay cut just to, to have all, all leisure. I mean, who doesn't want that? That's why all these teachers are, are pretending like they're afraid of COVID so that they can get a paid vacation for a year or two. But this all stems from this horrible, misguided idea that government exists just to get stuff done. And that's not what it's here for. Okay. Yeah. Trump's saying like, oh, I have to rule by executive order because there's gridlock in Congress and we can't get anything done. That's the point. That's what that's how the system was designed. It wasn't designed to get stuff done. We don't want the government doing anything. The whole idea was to have the government do as little as possible. It was supposed to be a necessary evil with few and defined powers. Do as little as possible and make it as difficult as possible as possible to do stuff. That's what all the whole gov the whole structure of government that they teach us in 8th grade that apparently nobody ever pays attention to anymore. And, you know, this whole constitution that you guys know I don't really give a shit about, but all of these politicians signed an oath or took an oath to uphold and defend the, the whole legislative process, all of this stuff, all these checks and balances. That's what it's about. It's supposed to make it very difficult for the government to do stuff because the government shouldn't be doing stuff. Remember, government is the albatross around our necks. It's weighing us down. We don't want them doing things. It's good to have gridlock. 
and these executive orders, the, the way they've been getting around the whole system is, is by abusing the executive orders. And the, and the courts let them get away with it. Congress lets them get away with it. That's why this whole system, it, it's a fantasy. The idea that you could give unlimited power to, a, to an entity, call it a state, call it a government, whatever you want, and one branch of that government is going to check the power of the other one is a bunch of nonsense. It's never happened. It never will happen. And they'll always find a way around it. I mean, look, it, look all their livelihoods depend on it. All right. That, that's why we've gone from the smallest government in the world to the largest government in the world. Because th these, the system of checks and balances, while on paper sounds like a good idea, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work in reality. Every, I mean, literally everything the government does today is unconstitutional. They have no authority to do it. Nothing. They don't have authority to give anybody money. They, they don't have authority to be loaning out money. They don't have authority to be spending on all these programs. You know, the, the, the general welfare clause has been uh, abused to death from the Constitution. But, you know, they ha we have all of these programs that take from one portion of society and give to another. And that it, that's in direct violation of the general welfare clause. And, and that's, in fact, why the Social Security was originally shot down by the Supreme Court because uh, it violated the general welfare clause. And then, you know, FDR stacks the court, finds his way around it, gets his guys in there, and voila, we have the world's largest, most evil Ponzi scheme that for the vast majority of Americans, especially those like under the age of maybe 45 or so, it's going to be the worst investment of their life. They, the return on that investment is going to be pathetic um, if you get anything at all, it will just be the nominal amount. And, and those dollars are not going to buy nearly what you think, what the dollars you put into this system would have, would have bought. And if you had been able to keep that money and invest it yourself over the years or, or pay somebody to invest it, or if you know, we had real interest rates and we didn't have a Federal Reserve artificially suppressing interest rates, even if you just saved it in a bank, or just bought some gold or silver or something like that, or Bitcoin if, if you want to be really risky, that return would be far better than the return you're going to get from uh, collecting your Social Security benefits if you do make it uh, to that age. You know, you got to live a really long time, and some of us, you know, might not get there. We might end up paying in and, and getting nothing out of it. So, uh, yeah, just a horrible system. And what you have to remember is that the spending is the real tax. I know I, I talk about this all the time because the problem with Repub Republicans is that they love to talk, they love to give us tax cuts, right? And even, you know, there are a, a bunch of libertarians out there that think, you know, anytime you cut taxes, you know, we'll take it. We'll, we'll take that tax break and, and we'll, we'll deal with the, the problem of it later on. Uh, I used to think that way too, uh, but the more I think about it, you know, it, it's kind of like we're stealing from future generations, and I, I don't know, maybe that could be argued that that you know that's a a violation of the non-aggression principle in my mind because you know we're we're basically consuming things now and and sticking future generations, kids that haven't even been born yet, with the bill for it because somebody is going to have to pay this bill. At some point, these bills will come due. I don't know if uh, people, you know, my age or younger, are going are to be fortunate enough not to be left holding the bag here. But that—that's my problem with these tax cuts. And you know, you know, all these Republicans that like what Trump is doing because 
you know, tax breaks or some money to help people get through COVID or whatever. If you don't cut the size of government, if you don't, you know, reduce the obligation on on the private sector to pay for all of this stuff, then it's just a down payment. It's just a promise that there are going to be tax increases in the future, one way or another. You're going to have to pay more, either through inflation, the hidden tax, which is the the most evil one that's going to hit everyone the hardest, and the poor and those on fixed incomes will be annihilated, or they'll they'll have to raise taxes on everyone. And you know, I see the tweets from Bernie Sanders about you know how we have to cancel rent and we have to say we have to double down on Social Security. He wants to increase the contributions and tax the rich for it. And uh, if you follow me on Twitter. At Pedal Fiction, I you know I love to tr- uh, troll him a little bit, but yeah, was, uh, yeah, doubling down on a, a bankrupt Ponzi scheme—that's uh, a great idea. That is a brilliant idea. I'd expect nothing less from fucking Bernie Sanders. But um, the, the spending is the problem. So unless they're going to like the the tax cuts are the reward that you would get for shrinking the size of government. So if he wants to come out with executive orders where he's eliminating like whole departments or something, which, you know, I don't know if he could do, I don't know uh, how many departments he would be able to do. Certainly anything in the executive branch, he, he could eliminate, he could fire a bunch of people, and then you could maybe have a tax cut, but you can't just grow everything and uh, increase spending like the, the, uh, Amount of spending under Donald Trump has never been higher. We we've spent three trillion, I think, in the last like three months, and they're they're getting ready for another probably two trillion more once the the dust settles on this new deal, and that doesn't even include all the shit that the Federal Reserve is doing. So they're spending untold amounts of money. Right? We have less economic activity, and we have um, lower tax rates. Right? And we're getting tax cuts. We're getting uh, payroll deductions. Uh, not, not going into the to the pot. So th- this is uh, not only bad policy, but it's unbelievably bad precedent to be setting. I, I can't, I mean, the idea that we're just going to have a president that can do anything that he wants or she wants by executive order is the most dangerous thing I can imagine. That, that we have to put a stop to this. Even if you think what he's doing is good. You, you can't allow this to keep going on. I don't know how we go about stopping this at this point. Like I said, there's no political will on either side to control this, to rein this in. You get a couple guys, you know, uh, a Rand Paul or a Thomas Massey will come out against it, but it's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough, especially when they're giving people stuff in theory, right? Free stuff. But imagine, you know, if you get somebody who, who's really terrible in there. I mean, the sky is the limit when you have no principles. So anyway, we're going to talk a little bit more about that after I go over the Kamala Harris nomination for uh, vice president. But first, let me take a quick second and thank our favorite sponsor for the Peddling Fiction Podcast. And that, of course, is Lorenzati Coffee. That's L-O-R-E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-T-T-I dot coffee. And if you go there and you use the promo code FICTION, you will get 10% off your order. And it's a small business. It's run by two uh, entrepreneurial, liberty-minded guys who uh, came together for their love of coffee 
and the impossibility to find that premium Italian coffee over here in the United States. You know, it's all over Europe. It's easy to get in Italy. The problem is nobody can go anywhere with the coronavirus. So if you've been craving great coffee and you can't leave your house because you are stuck under some government edict, some executive order that says you uh, have to stay in your home, in your state, I mean, that stuff is probably coming down the pike. So go to lorenzotti.coffee, use the promo code FICTION, and they'll send the coffee right to your door. And if you have a, a small business, if you are lucky enough to be considered an uh, essential employee and you need some professional brewing equipment, you know, to make espresso or something like that, they can supply those machines to you too to help you brew up the perfect cup of coffee. That's lorenzotti.coffee, promo code FICTION. Let's get back to it because the big news, and I, I think this was... Day before yesterday, maybe? Was it Tuesday? All, all these days are just blending together for me. It's just been a blur here. But um, everybody's been waiting, of course, for the big announcement from Joe Biden. And Joe Biden's just been hiding in a basement for the last couple of months, <laughs> which, as I've talked about, I think is the best thing for him. The fewer times he opens his mouth, the better. But there was all this anticipation and lead up into who his uh, vice presidential pick was going to be. And he let the world know that he is he's decided to go with the worst possible candidate for the job, in my opinion, and Kamala Harris. And if you've been listening to this show for a while, I talked about this when, uh, when we were probably going through the debates and he was talking about how he was... He, had, he hadn't decided who it was going to be yet, but it was definitely going to be a black woman. And I, I was looking at the field of black women and, and, you know, I was like, well, Kamala Harris would probably be the worst possible choice. So that's probably be who he'll go with. And of course, once again, I am proven correct. And full disclosure, I can't stand Kamala Harris. And that will probably be uh, become very apparent as this episode goes on. But I, I just there's there's so many interesting elements to this VP nomination for me. I just wonder what it feels like to be Kamala Harris, first of all. Like, you, you know that you've been awarded something strictly because of your skin color and uh, your sex, and that's it. Like, it was just, we need to check a couple boxes. Here's a woman. She's also black. Boom, boom. I mean, isn't that ironic that th this is celebrated that, that choosing somebody strictly off of their immutable characteristics is, is lauded as this great thing to do, yet it's incredibly demeaning. I mean, Biden never said he was going to pick the most qualified or the best person for the job. No, no. He came right out and said, I'm going to pick a black woman no matter what. Uh, accomplishments, qualifications be damned, doesn't matter. We just need a black woman. Check those boxes, pander to women, pander to people of color all at once, you know, two birds, one stone. It tells you a lot about how painstakingly stupid democracy is. I mean, it's like, I'll vote for her. I'll vote for him because uh, her, sc her skin color is the same as mine. Or she's, uh, we're both individuals with the cervix, right? I mean, that's a great plan, isn't it? I mean, I guess it's as good as any reason to uh, turn the reins over of the most powerful government the world had ever had ever seen. It's just so outrageously in your face patronizing that you would think 
black people in particular, women, uh, but black women especially, would be a little offended by this. I mean, wouldn't you? I, I, I would. But from what I've seen, uh, at least from the ones that I know, they, they love this. They're pumped about this. And uh, mostly women, um, you know, a, a few black women that I know that, that have always liked Kamala Harris for some reason, which is odd because a lot of black people don't care for Kamala Harris because of her previous employment. I just don't get it. I mean, what good is the accomplishment if it wasn't really earned or deserved? If you're just being used as a pawn, you know, like something to be paraded around like at a circus or something. How does that you know, how does that make you feel? How, how does it not bother more people? I mean, what Biden should have said from the beginning was that he would pick the best man or woman for the job, knowing full well all along that he would pick a black woman. At least that way you don't cut her off at the knees when you announce it, right? It, it, it basically delegitimizes her from the start because you just said you were going to pick a black woman and, and it doesn't matter if they're qualified or not. If that was me, you know, I'd be salty about that, the, the, about this whole thing, this whole process. But uh, I mean, she's a sociopath, so she probably doesn't give a shit. She will uh, achieve power by any means necessary. And, um, you know, using using her uh, skin color or, or the, the, the V card. Is it called a V card? No, that's for virgins, right? Uh, the, the woman card. Uh, to get ahead is the, the least she could do. I mean, she's she's used her uh, her Indian heritage when it suited her. She's used her black heritage when it suits her. She uses the woman thing when it suits her. And we know we all know how this game is played, right? That the vice president is usually like the the most bullshit role anyway, right? I mean, so really, uh, a, a broomstick with a bucket for the head would almost be overqualified for the job. So it's not like uh, you need a ton of qualifications or anything, except that, you know, in this case, you know, if Biden does win the election, and man, it, it really seems like he's doing everything in his power to lose it. And I don't know if it's, I mean, it's probably not him, it's probably the uh, the establishment that, that is uh, sort of forcing this on him. But I, I can't imagine a worse ticket, Biden and Kamala Harris. I, I never thought, you guys know, and I, I, was, I got that wrong, that Biden would get the nomination just because he has no chance of winning. He's senile. He's almost 80 years old. Was he like 77? He's never, he's not that sharp. He, he can't debate Donald Trump. I don't think he could beat Donald Trump straight up if uh, if not for this whole coronavirus thing. But it, it really seems once they sort of they like forced everybody else out and they threw all the support behind Biden, it kind of seemed like they were trying to lose this election. And now it's like with the Kamala Harris pick, in my opinion, she's the worst possible one. It, it might I wouldn't put it past them to basically throw this election. Because, like, what are they going to do in four years, right? Biden, Biden, there's no way Biden can run again. They, they're already talking about forcing him out. You know, if he needs to step aside, Kamala Harris has the qualifications to step in. But, I mean, Kamala Harris running for president, we saw how that went just a few months ago, right? Not very well. Not many people liked her. So I don't think they want to run her again in four years if she ends up taking control over this whole thing because Biden like, goes completely uh, senile and, and can't uh, function anymore. 
So I don't know. They they might be looking past this election, like let the let Donald Trump fuck up the next four years, and then we'll just have like a full blown. You know, the, the Democrats will take the 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 House and the Senate. Trump won't be able to do anything except for his executive orders, and then they'll wait till they get uh, a better batch of candidates. Because I mean, man. Uh, the pathetic bunch that they put up there this year. I, you guys know, I, I was saying from the start, I don't think any of those people could beat Donald Trump. But anyway, I mean, th- with this case, you know, there is the potential that, that Biden does win and that he, he is not going to finish his term. I mean, he could die. People die between the ages of 77 and 81 all the time. And I mean, the guy's older than dirt. He's losing his mind. There's a very good chance that if he does win the election, he's not going to uh, finish out his turn. And the this VP pick could very well end up running the country. And he comes right out and says that I'm not going to hire the best person for the role. It, uh, qualifications don't really matter to me. I'm going to hire a black woman regardless of the situation. Just uh, there's something pretty funny about that to me. Funny and scary, I should say. Because, man... Uh, not only do I not like Kamala Harris, like I can't stand the woman, but part of the reason I feel like she's the worst possible candidate is because nobody likes her. The Democrats don't even, I mean, like I realize that I'm in a unique position and not a lot of people, uh, especially voters, tend to see things my way. But not only can I not stand her, the Democrats didn't seem too smitten on her either during the primary, did they? I mean, the the media, they tried to push her uh, onto the voters early on. They, they tried. They tried to talk her up. They tried to talk them into it because, let's face it, the vast majority of people out there are just lemmings that want to be told what to do, who to vote for, and they tried. They tried to make her the, the one. And, I mean, she fell flat on her face. She got roasted. The pig got roasted by uh, Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, she had to drop out. She wasn't even the most popular candidate among black voters. And I know some that, that like her a lot, but she was also the figurehead of the prosecution of the war on drugs that's done more damage to the black community than anything else that I can think of. I mean, her record as a prosecutor is like atrocious, okay? I have an article here, but I mean, black people should hate this woman, especially all these Black Lives Matter protesters. I mean, if you are a Black Lives Matter supporter, (sighs) Jesus, sorry, my buddy keeps banging stuff around, interrupting my uh, train of thought here and screwing up the audio. I don't know if you, I'll probably edit that out and post, but he's, uh, bothering me (laughs) almost as much as Kamala Harris Um, but yeah if you're a a Black Lives Matter supporter I don't see how you could possibly simultaneously support Kamala Harris I mean when she was district attorney she was involved in uh, 2,000 marijuana cases 2,000 convictions That's, that's almost averaging 300 a year that is Based on uh, data from the San Francisco attorney's office, only been exceeded uh, one time. The, the conviction rate was only higher in 1993. It's the only time. And, and she's been prosecuting people for victimless crimes, for nonviolent you know, drug offenses, ruining people's lives, throwing people in cages, 
probably mostly black and brown people. She also refused to support mandatory police body cams. She does support the death penalty, so you got that going for you. And there was definitely that that uh, black death row inmate. His name was Kevin Cooper, and he was going to be executed, even though he's arguing that there was DNA evidence that would prove his innocence. And and Kamala Harris did everything in her power to uh, oppose allowing his evidence to, to his DNA to be tested against the DNA that they had. And, and it wasn't until the New York Times finally wrote an article about the treatment that he actually got the test done and was exonerated. Then back in 2011, the Supreme Court ordered the state of California to release 33,000 prisoners because its state prison was uh, overrun. The system was unconstitutionally overcrowded. And because of all the, uh, you know, nonviolent, uh, victimless crime uh, people that she's thrown in these cages. And the argument that she came forth with at the time was that the prison inmates were predominantly minorities, but they were cheap labor and they needed to help them uh, fight wildfires. This is, uh, I'm reading from an article here. This is, um, this is from uh, thesovereignman.com. I don't know if uh, anybody's ever checked uh, that web that blog out or whatever, but I, I just just a horrible person. <laughs> She's a horrible person. She's done horribly uh, like untold things to the to the black community, and th this just seems like an awful pick to me. Anybody who's a a, a Black Lives Matter supporter should be one hundred percent against a Kamala Harris on the ticket. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, I I don't know how much of an effect this would actually have on the outcome of the election anyways. I mean, how important is this pick really, right? Because black people, well, I guess if, if enough black people, you know, hate Kamala Harris and are turned off by this, I, I don't think they hate her enough to not vote, but maybe. I think they hate Donald Trump more. So, I mean, they've already got the black vote locked up, right? Black, black people are going to vote Democrat no matter what. Women tend to vote Democrat more often than anything else. I mean, sure, maybe you'll entice some women who weren't going to vote at all to vote for Biden simply because they want to see a woman VP who might be able to uh, finagle her way into the Oval Office. But I don't think that in the end, that's what's going to swing this election Biden's way. And then, of course, if that's the case, any old woman would do. He should have found a, you know, he should have found my favorite, and I'm still looking for this, by the way, the Hispanic female disabled midget. That would have been the ultimate wokeness right there, wouldn't it? You, you check all those boxes, you get a person of color, and you already had the black vote sewn up. So why not go with like a, a Hispanic woman or something like that? Especially a disabled one who's, uh, oh, I'm not supposed to say, uh, he was a little person. I'm going to get a letter from the... Uh, the Association of Little People. <laughs> little people, not midgets. I beg your pardon. But I mean, that, that would have uh, a, probably a better effect than a Kamala Harris, which is why, I, you know, it, it seems like they're doing everything in their power to uh, throw this election. I don't know. Um, it, it's either they're really, really stupid or they're, they're doing this on purpose. I don't know. And by the way, there is another woman who's actually running for president who's not terrible, okay? You know, she wouldn't be my first pick, but she'd be a hell of a lot better than Kamala Harris and or Joe Biden or Trump. And you wouldn't even have to wait for Biden to die of COVID to get your girl into the Oval Office. And that's Joe Jorgensen.
on the libertarian ticket. You really want a woman president, vote for her. And by the way, I, I know everyone has this desire to be part of a group, but I mean, women, that's your group. <laughs> women are like 54% of the population. Okay, well, I mean, or if your your group is men, it's like the most broad bullshit group you could be a part of. You don't want to whittle that down just a little bit to something a little more exclusive, maybe. Even if you, just your group is black women, as is the case here. Still, it's a pretty big fucking group. Like all the black women, all black women aren't the same. Why do we lump everybody together into these groups? It's so stupid. Why would anyone care about being in that broad of a category uh, categorization? I mean, look, I'm Italian. I don't lump myself in with every Italian or every Italian American. It just seems stupid to me. You really think you're going to get represented because someone from your enormously broad group is going to be in office? You're, you're fooling yourself. You're, you're absolutely fooling yourself. You know who gets represented? People who pay off politicians. That's who. You know, companies with lobbyists, they get represented. The politicians, they just pander to you. They pander to the lemmings because that's where the votes are. That's where all the votes are to help them get elected so that they can then take that power and use it to line their pockets. The lemmings get them into office and then they represent the interests of the people lining their pockets. That's how it's worked. That's how it's always going to work. And that's why you can't have that retarded Bernie Sanders plan of getting money out of politics. It's never going to work. It's the power that you have to get out. Once you get rid of the power, the money goes away. And I know that, you know, all these women out there, they, they can't wait to have a woman president, you know, to break that glass ceiling. And, and this is uh, this historic thing. We have a, a, a woman, a woman of color as the vice president. Th this way, their gender can share in the destruction of America and bomb third world countries and all that great stuff. But believe me, your life isn't going to be any better no matter who the next president is or who the the vice president on the ticket is because all of these sociopaths they're all the same like i said at, at the top of the show there's no difference between democrats and, and republicans they both want to grow government they both want to intrude into our lives and tell us what to do i mean look at trump with these executive orders right you know what also amazes me <laughs> uh that this is, uh, it's so great, it's such a big deal, we're breaking the glass ceiling, and then, oh, by the way, gender is a social construct, and it's fluid, and these are the same people. A lot of them are the same people who believe both of those things simultaneously. The cognitive dissonance between voters is amazing to me, basically between status, but particularly uh, on the, uh, the liberal side. You know, it's like, I, I, I guarantee you, all these Black Lives Matter people, they got their Black Lives Matter shirt on while they're going to vote for uh, Biden and Kamala Harris. But um, I bet if you asked Kamala Harris a gender-related question, she would pander to all the, the Zs and Zers out there and whatever other nonsense these people come up with. I don't know. It's just, there, there's something there. There are so many hilarious little aspects to this. What, what's also funny is that once Biden wins and he has to basically, uh, you know, he's basically a, a senile Manchurian candidate 
for a year or so before they try to force him out, force him to step down. And, and then all the people, all of a sudden, you know, the media, all these politicians that have been pretending that he's not completely senile, that he has all of these people that have been trying to convince us that Biden hadn't totally and completely lost control of all of his mental faculties, and he's totally fit to run for office and all this stuff, they're immediately going to start singing a different tune. I mean, I think they've already beat me to the punch at CNN. I saw a headline that they were talking about, you know, what if he has to step down? They've already planted that seed now. And there's one more thing that really bothers me about this whole process. And, it, you know, if any business had conducted their hiring process the way that Joe Biden did, which was blatant and open discrimination against all men and a ton of women. If any business had conducted them, uh, their hiring process that way, they would have been sued into oblivion. And yet, once again, the government does something, you know, us plebs aren't allowed to do. I think people should have the right to discriminate and suffer the consequences in the marketplace. But, you know, they've made it illegal for us to do that on several fronts. If you or I were to discriminate in our hiring process, we would get sued into the poorhouse. If Biden discriminates, it's lauded and it's a wonderful thing. I guess as long as you uh, discriminate in the right direction, then everything's fine, right? <laughs> I don't know. It, it just it always bugs me when we carve out all these exceptions for government, and and they get to do things that that we don't get to do for some reason. Not that you know I want to discriminate my hiring process or anything, but um, they, they, if anybody shouldn't be able to, it should be the government who's supposed to be representing the people, right? And if the idea is to the idea is to get the best uh, government, the best representation, not just uh, whatever uh, political gains that you can get from hiring somebody. Anyway, I uh, I don't think this really moves the needle. It was expected. Kamala Harris is just kind of a uh, blah to me. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, who cares? Who cares? That was the it was the other thing. Like the, all this buildup over who the pick would have been, it, it would have been much more exciting if he didn't come out like six months ago and say it was going to be a black woman. Why, why say that beforehand? I mean, you ruined the surprise. He should have just said, I'm, you know, I don't know who I'm going to do, uh, who I'm going to pick. It, you know, it could be anybody. And then hit us with the, the first black woman uh, VP. That'd be far more exciting. But how excited can you really get over a candidate that, you know, everybody's already rejected? She was rejected pretty early on. I don't know. Just that we already, it was already kind of expected. Just very bizarre to me. But man, I mean, Kamala Harris has a real mean authoritarian streak in her. And it's come out on several occasions. I documented some of them. And if she gets the reins here, if, if something happens to Biden, he wins and she gets control. Even if Republicans manage to keep the Senate, or maybe they take both houses next time around, what we've allowed to take place with these bullshit executive orders, it's not going to matter. There'll be no stopping it. And of course, if you object to what she's doing, even if you have legitimate reasons, as I, of course, always would, you'll be labeled a racist, right? Because she's a black woman. That's why you're opposing her executive orders, right? But that's why it's so important. That's why principles matter. And you have to stick up for what is right, even if what they're doing is something that you like, like uh, Trump extending the, the tax cuts or the payroll uh, 
tax uh, moratorium or whatever you want to call it or giving you some more money, even if it, you know it's something that you want done, once you give them that power, they're never going to give it back. And you never know who the next guy or girl is going to be that's wielding that power. I mean, the Democrats are getting a big dose of that lesson right now. They loved it. They loved Obama's phone and a pen, right? But not so much when Trump's picking up the phone or when Trump's using the pen. That's why you have to be very careful what you turn over to the government. Nobody gave a shit about Donald Trump. Nobody hated him. Well, <laughs> I guess that's not entirely true, right? I mean, at the very least, Rosie O'Donnell hated him. <laughs> but nobody was losing their collective minds over a Donald Trump, over things he was saying or things he was doing until he got the control of the world's largest government. And then all of a sudden, all of the power and all of the control that we've relinquished to the government, to the government in general over the years, but to the executive branch specifically, all of it is in the hands of a big orange buffoon or some other power-hungry authoritarian that's going to make all sorts of unconstitutional decrees ruling over us like a king or a queen, right? But it's going to hurt just the same, regardless of who's doing it. And we're running out of viable options of opposing it. Like I said, I, I don't know how you stop it at this point. I mean, you, you might have to leave the country or at the very least uh, leave uh, the state that you're in and go to a state that's hopefully going to resist this shit and protect you. But uh, man, it's uh, it's looking pretty bleak out there. I mean, could you imagine if someone like Bernie Sanders gets in there and starts writing executive orders to cancel rent? I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, the sky is the limit with this. They're literally writing legislation, bypassing that whole political process that they you know, hold so dearly, near and dear to their heart, and they beat into our heads through you know the first 18 years of school that they force us to go to, how a bill becomes a law, and they're skipping all that, and they're just ordering it up. So, uh, man, look out, everybody. The disaster of a government that we have today is essentially the result of us voting for the lesser of two evils consistently year after year. And man, is the bar for both of the evils constantly being lowered as well. I don't think it'd get much lower than it is. Right now, you, you, all you lemmings out there, you get to choose between two old womanizers, one of whom is crazy, kind of hilarious, fairly loose cannon, and the other has full-on dementia. Have fun with that. Have fun with that. But I don't think uh, we'll be able to top that until, you know, AOC is eligible for, for the presidency or something. Then we'll have to officially set the bar underground, it, it, below ground. We'll be below ground with the bar for the lesser of two evils. And the problem is that we all suffer. We all suffer just the same for your retarded decisions. And that, I mean, call that reason number 563, why democracy is not only bullshit, but just fucking sucks. It just sucks. And it's why we should all be uh, looking around for greener pastures just in case. Anyway, uh, I'm going to wrap there. I think this might be a little bit of a longer episode. Try to make up for missing out on Monday. I will, uh, I'll, I'll try to update you guys on, on the schedule. If there's going to be a Monday show, 
I will try to let you know as soon as I do. I'll, I'll announce it in the private Facebook group. If you haven't joined that yet, you should. Uh, you just got to go on to Facebook and find it. I'm not exactly sure how to do it, but a few hundred people have, so it can't be that difficult. You answer a few questions, and uh, if we like your answers, we'd let you in. So do that. Follow me on Twitter, at Pedal Fiction. And if you want to become a supporting listener of the show, you can do that by going to pedalingfictionpodcast.com. And if you can do all that for me, I will be back on maybe Monday with a brand new episode for you. Until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on pedaling that so-called fiction. Peace.